Hi, Corey. Love your work. Any predictions on Ukrainian-Russian war? Well, it kind of, from everything I've seen, so what's interesting is that when I first started following the war, it's like a lot of the people I follow, especially on the right, were totally wrong about everything. And most of them still are wrong. And because Joe Biden, the president's a Democrat, they're just automatically assuming the opposite of his policy. But what's what's interesting is that, you know, what I love about Twitter is that if you spend enough time on there, you can eventually find reporters or people that are in the area that are typically mostly right about things. And so since the war, last year, since the war started, I've accumulated several people that I follow that pretty much when they, you know, like when they were looking at the manpower and the offensive capability and, you know, how many tanks they got, what their aircraft is, their stockpiles of weapons and interesting things about the Russians is like Americans, we palletize everything. So we have forklifts and stuff for our logistics is great, but the Russians, they ship everything by rail and they load it on the, the rail cars by hand and then they unload it. And so what they were doing is they were stacking all of their weapons and their artillery shells and stuff right next to where they unloaded it from the train. And so once the Ukrainians got the HIMARS missiles or rockets from us, they started blowing these things up in great numbers and blowing up these ammunition dumps. And that created a problem because if you looked at how many shells the Russians were launching to the Ukrainians, I mean, it like dramatically dropped off. And so what's, what's interesting is you've got a bunch of people that will watch some of the top news shows in Russia and translate it to English. And so these reporters, these people, a lot of them are foreign military guys, and that's what they used to do is logistics, looking at, you know, how many tanks, how many shells, how many people they got, what's the offensive capability of these individual, these BTGs, as the Russians call it, it was a battalion tactical groups, and their combat power, and as they slowly got attrited, especially with the Western weapons that are highly accurate, you that's why you saw their offensive stall. And then eventually, you know, early stages, they weren't able to take Kiev because they, the special military operation was supposed to last three days. And they ended up withdrawing those units to rearm, re-equip, bring in replacements, and then they were put in theater at other places. And so what you're seeing now is like everybody's been talking about a, a spring offensive. And when you look at the numbers, you, you know, the people that I follow, plus what you see on Russian television, it's pretty obvious what's going on. Even the people on Russian television know that they're, they're losing the war and they're not going to be able to sustain the logistics. But one thing that could throw a monkey wrench in that because lately we've been seeing reports about the Chinese sending potentially ammunition and other weapons and equipment to the Russians. And because the Chinese want to ultimately take Taiwan and the Taiwanese have the same weapons that we, in essence, we've been given to Ukraine from a logistical standpoint, because they've, you know, this is what's fascinating about the war is looking at the logistics and a lot of the things that we've given them, some of them, the timeline to just replace what we'd given the Ukrainians as of a month or two ago was like seven years for some of these to replenish the stockpiles. And so if the Chinese start giving the Russians 
shells and equipment and other things that they start using, then we have to send more bombs and missiles and equipment to basically take those weapons out, which will further deplete our stockpiles. And if the Chinese do decide to move on Taiwan, it'll make it a lot harder for us to be able to supply the Taiwanese as well as the Ukrainians to keep the war ongoing. So, because logistics wins wars. And you know, if you've studied like World War II, we had a ship that was called the Liberty Ship. And it was basically like a freighter. And we were building these things so fast during World War II, we were building them faster than the G Germans, their U-boats, could sink them. And when Hitler got the numbers on that and he recognized that we were building these Liberty ships faster than they could sink them. And so they're full of men and material supplying the Russians and the rest of Europe. When he saw that, it was reported that he said, oh, we've lost the war because wars are won or lost by logistics. And if you, you know, especially now a lot of the, the people that were mobilized in Russia and sent to the front, a lot of them were just sent out as cannon fodder. And so they get sent into the Ukrainian lines, so the Ukrainians fire on them, and then the Russians that are further in the rear can figure out where the Ukrainians are so they can counterattack them. And so you see videos of the, the Russians that have been mobilized doing videos and appealing to Putin and different people in power. You've even got the, uh, the Wagner group complaining that they're not getting enough ammunition now. And so if things keep going the way they're going, eventually the – especially if, if the – because all it's going to take is a couple missiles to take out the uh, – was the Kershon Bridge that goes from Russia to Crimea. And that's a main artery that they use to supply the Russians in Crimea and – Crimea and was it southern Ukraine? And there's only like one or two rail lines that – the Russians have been using to supply their troops. And so if they take out the bridge, because the Russians have been threatening, if we send them the longer range missiles, some of those, was it the ATACMS missile, I think that goes, those go upwards, I think, of like 300 kilometers. And so Ukraine will be able to fire those things because they're very accurate, take out the bridge, and now you're not getting men or material across the bridge. I mean, they've used ferries, but even the missiles are able to take out the ferries that they're that they're using to when the bridges were damaged. And so from a logistics standpoint, it's just a matter of time, probably in the next year. You know, everybody's talking about a spring offensive that if they take out the bridge in Crimea that connects it to Russia and they're able to cut off these rail lines, then a large part of the Russian army is just simply going to be cut off. Now you got wild cards. You've got a lot of Russian troops in was it Belarus? I think Chunky. And so that you know potentially if they launch another front, the it causes the Ukrainians to have to keep troops to to counter that because that potentially could threaten Kiev. So, but numerically, when you look at the numbers, you look at what's on Russian television when you. Look at the people that I follow have been that are co consistently accurate. I mean, it's just a matter of time before the Russians lose. And I mean, they've as of last week they've lost something like one hundred and forty-eight thousand troops killed in action. I don't know how many. Typically, normally you see two to three times that wounded, 
But the problem is, is with the logistics is a lot of those people are just, they're bleeding out and they're not surviving. So what the actual numbers are, we don't know. We don't know how many Ukrainians have been lost. I would imagine it's probably comparable. It's potential that the Ukrainians haven't lost as many troops just because of the accuracy of the Western weapons that we've sent them. But we don't know because Ukrainians haven't published those numbers. And quite frankly, that's smart from an operational security standpoint. So, but it looks like, you know, that this whole war is basically turning into their Vietnam. And when you look at previous wars, World War II, and you look at like the Korean War and times when we've been fighting the Russians directly or indirectly over the last, you know, 70, 80 years, the Russians are typically willing to lose a lot of people. And it, it before all said and done, it wouldn't surprise me if the Russians are willing to lose three or 400,000 of their people and still end up losing the war. So if, if they take out the Kershaw Bridge and they're able to cut off their ability to resupply their troops then what's going to happen is the ones that are in, in theater, the Russians are in theater, are not going to be able to evacuate their wounded. They're not going to be able to get food. They're not going to be able to get weapons to resupply, and they're going to be cut off. And so you could see tens of thousands of Russians given up and surrendering, which would be incredibly embarrassing for the regime. So right now, the way things are going, it, it's Russia is losing the war. They know they're losing it. It's on Russian television. Again, you can watch these shows are all these clips are all over Twitter that are translated. And, you know, they're pretty melancholy about it and they know they're losing. So and, you know, like I said, the monkey wrench, the, the thing you don't really know is what the Chinese decide to do. If the Chinese help the Russians and give them equipment and material, then that'll definitely prolong the war. And if if China moves on Taiwan, when you have a dementia patient in the White House, that, you know, it's a scary time. We're right now, I mean, last time we were this close to all-out Armageddon and nuclear war that would destroy the planet and kill most people was 1963 during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, pretty interesting.